Hey, everybody, this is Aisha with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Catherine with Shuffle Online. So we're here to discuss with you Netflix's newest series, Never Have I Ever, episode one and two. We are thrilled to bring this to you and discuss. If you haven't seen the show or or if you're just like thinking, you know, should I watch the show? The show is basically about the complicated life of this modern day Indian American teenager. It's inspired by Kaling's own childhood. It's the teen angst feeling of being a teenager living in in Southern California and in 10th grade. And if you can remember those days and what you were thinking and how you were trying to like get through your summer and then you start a whole new school year, what, how is that gonna feel for you, you know? And so this is, that's kind of how it all starts, but it's definitely one of those shows that as a person that maybe has kids, her age. It started in a way where I was like, okay, I'm with you here. And I can see how Mindy was bringing her own life into it. And then it kind of got into a little bit, there was there was a whole lot that happened in the very first 15 minutes of the show. Did it not? Or is it just me? No, it, it did. It was very like, whoa, okay, we're going there. And um, <laughs> I, I, like, I think there's like this trend of the overly sexualized teen show now which is which i which i feel so it's so funny because like i feel it makes me feel dated or something maybe i'm not down with the the new era not not that i'm saying i don't want that talked about because i think it should be talked about but the way they were talking about it felt like the way she's like i just want to get banged or 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 whatever or the way she's just so nonchalant about it and for me when i was a teen but then as it unfolds you realize it's actually just this thing that she's trying to accomplish is a facade okay so let's like bring your bring it back to your like this is your teen days Catherine's teen days granted i definitely wanted to have boyfriends you know when i had boyfriends and stuff like that and it's a thing that girls think about i get it but it's just her being so focused on wanting to score so bad I thought that was a bit cringeworthy. I don't know about you. Like, it just didn't seem, really? You really, is this like something that teenage girls are really, really thinking about wanting so bad right now? And I'm just like, like you said, like we're out of touch about it. So I'll give the listeners context. I was in high school. I was a freshman in 2004. I graduated in 2007. So my Mm -hmm. teenage years were 2004, 2007, like high school era. I remember being very shy (laughs) and um, thinking like holding hands and like I I had my first kiss when I was like 15, which is probably (laughs) late. I don't know. Um, So for me, that was like a big deal. I would get so red like when boys would talk to me and like crushes and things. So to me, like the way she came at us in those first like 15 minutes, I was like, whoa, like I probably thought about it maybe but like that was like way down the line I just wanted to like hold hands and like a guy to like me not like let's go have sex like that was like totally big, big big time for me um not that it's wrong if you want to do it like totally fine it was it's a very weird thing that she like settled on that like it, it was a little bit like refreshing to see that one if you have an Indian American young person in a show that they're not completely always focused on schoolwork and academia, right? Because that's what we always see. We see like an Asian character or an Indian Indian character or somebody 
in, in a show and they're constantly always worried about their grades. And it's it's the stereotype, right? That that all Indian American kids are great at all their studies. But it's like she she takes a little step out out outside that box, even though she's definitely one of the smart kids in the school, you know, as as they talk about in the in the in her history class. She's also worried about some other other stuff that, you know, all of her other classmates are apparently I get it. We're, okay, so this is going to be the whole like shebang for the first episode is her trying to figure out how to get a boyfriend and then how to get laid. <laughs> it's funny that this is the pilot episode because I think it was very, I mean, on the one hand, I kind of appreciate it, like you mentioned. Like, I love that it is an Indian American girl who's not being um, stereotyped and she's her own person. She's She's aggressive. She's a bit rude sometimes, but that's who she is. By the way, John McEnroe, the tennis player, is narrating this. And he basically is saying, like, she was playing an orchestra concert, which is a little bit stereotypical, but not too, right. not, not too much. So it's it, there is a lot of, like, stereotypical, and then, like, it breaks that, which I love. I think right, you, that's you can, cute. I think you just can't go full on because that's not how people are. I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason. It's just the way they're portrayed. She's at this orchestra concert playing the harp and then her dad has a heart attack and he dies, I think, during her freshman year. And then that, not only that, John McEnroe is like, oh, it didn't stop there. And then she like is swimming and loses feeling in her legs and she's basically paralyzed maybe for that year or so. The series starts with she actually got feeling back in her legs because so they didn't know exactly what happened. She's going back to school her sophomore year, being able to walk again. So she's coming off the stigma of being the girl whose dad died, Indian American, and also paralysis. And maybe people think she made it up probably for attention. So that's like her headspace right now, which is a lot. <laughs> it, I was I was just thinking to myself, I was like, okay, this is a whole lot in the ver very first episode, the pilot episode. I'm, personally, I thought, was there a purpose to her sudden paralysis? Like, did we really even need that part in the... I just felt like that was like extra. I mean, we could have just just been with her having her father gone. And then now we've got this other part that it, it was almost like I uh, wasn't even buying it. Yeah, that felt a little gratuitous. Let's just make it ridiculous. Forced, and I think, right? Yeah. And I think that's the part that like I'm all for very campy teen comedy. And even the sex part is like it's just my own maybe shyness of like going back to my teen years. I, I would have to hear from teens now to see if like they talk like that think about all that it did feel it maybe it just that part could have been edited because it didn't need to be there there was already plenty of plenty with the dad thing that I could have been on board with and also it was really cool because I was a fan of heroes back in the day <laughs> and I was nice seeing her dad um so Debbie is the girl Mohan is her dad who mm -hmm. is played by Suresh in heroes who's played by Sindel Ramamurthy which mm -hmm. hopefully I didn't butcher but i really love him so i was like yeah he's gonna be here and then he died in the he died of a heart attack but then we noticed that the, he's gonna come back in flashbacks so i was like okay thank goodness because i was kind of sad that they weren't going to utilize him and then he showed up again and i was like yes yeah i was happy about that as well one of those things like especially the john McEnroe narrations i get that since it's john McEnroe is his dad's favorite player it's almost like his it's almost like she's listening to her father She's got her her dad's voice in her head constantly. But like John McEnroe is not the best speaker, in my opinion. So it's hilarious in some weird way that they actually got him to be a narrator. I, did you feel that way or is it just like me? 
when I was what, first watching it, he st- his voice came. I was like, is that John McEnroe? And John McEnroe? And then he even says, he's like, yes, this is John McEnroe. And so I was like, oh, at least like they're they're having fun with the audience being like, what the fuck is this? And then he's like, it's going to make sense later on. Just trust me. It did feel though, and I guess this is like what she was going for maybe, or the creator, it's like a play by play. And so maybe they're playing on that of mm. his narration is basically like, oh, she's doing this now, like strategy and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so it did feel like maybe that's why they chose that, even though it's like out of left field, which I also appreciate in a weird way. Like it's really weird and I don't know if I'm fully on board with it, but I yeah. like that it's quirky. And it's definitely it kind of, quirky. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. Like it's 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 her. Sh- it's their show, and they can do whatever they want. It does lend to like another layer of just like weirdness. The fact that he is kind of narrating this Indian American's life, like teenage it, girl's is life. absolutely is like the kookiest thing, right? Like, but in some weird way, I think it's like the best. And I probably, I bet that's what they were thinking. It may be um, Mindy Kaling or somebody. It maybe the dad actually had like that was her her dad's favorite player. Who knows? Oh, it's possible. Or I wonder if it's just completely made up. Who knows? That's a good question, though. I mean, it could be. From what I've read, you know, just getting prepared for this show, they're what they're what the internet's saying is that like fans of the the Mindy Project will find this very familiar. She's very much in pop culture, and I've seen her speak a lot, and I follow her on social media, and so awesome. I feel like I've seen her in a bunch of different things. So I get her humor, and so when I saw this. Like, this is very much the way she is. Like, I've seen her in in some movies where I can see, like, this is really a lot of her comedic stuff through this teenage girl. I was talking to my teenage daughter. I've got two teens and one's so they're kind of they kind of sandwich the character's age. So I've got a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And my 17, 17 year old was watching it with me and she was like there. So she's going into film. She wants to go into film school. So she's very much into television and movies, production and writing and stuff. And she's like, this is so obvious. It's Mindy's writing. And I was like, really? Like, what, you know, what do you mean? She's just like, it's just her. It's her writing style. It's she's like, I personally am not a huge fan of it. My daughter isn't. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. She goes, but you could definitely see that she writes very similar similarly and a lot of her shows yeah i mean the recent thing i think i saw her in was the movie late night which i enjoyed late night with emma thompson so it's it is just very much mindy kaling and on that end in terms of female showrunners and her being able to create this show for netflix i really think that's pretty awesome like she was able to create her own voice and it's very distinctly her whether you like it or not you know you can decide but the fact that she is doing her stuff is awesome so i kind of appreciate that too you gotta give her big ups for like for all of that sticking with her own voice and not changing it for anybody good on her for that as far as the our character davy and her infatuation with this dude paxton what my opinion on paxton we need to talk about this is the guy looks 25 i'm just saying before i get into that (laughs) my nephew is named paxton and he's six years old and i love him to death paxton also is not in film or tv so i didn't expect this to like be on screen and so it threw me off a little bit and i was like and on the one hand i was like yay paxton's name is there and and then he's like a teen heartthrob this is very weird and then yeah you're right like but he's super hot and I think that's one thing as being a a fan of teen shows since I was a teen and all the way up until now, that has not changed. And I think that's the stereotype of like, there's always that hot guy who who in the show that I mean, also, the actors are clearly older. 
clearly. Except except for Debbie, like she looks she, like she's a sophomore, which is nice. But right. back in the back in the day, like all the teen shows, they were actually twenty five playing. Absolutely. Six- and that's why they gave us all complexes that we didn't look that way. It's like, oh, they went through their awkward stage already. <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. They went through that awkward stage a long time ago. Yeah. When you're watching these kind of shows, especially if you're a female, you kind of like take yourself back. You're like, and then you become that like giggly teenager again as you're like watching. And, and then as he like takes off his shirt, she's like dying, right? She's like, damn, you know, and looking at his abs and everything. I was like, yeah, okay. And I like the fact that they made him a biracial kid that's cool to me and that he spoke some japanese i was like all right that's interesting and that he wasn't your typical you know blonde hair blue eyed heartthrob that she was like going after i was appreciative of that but i just thought i had to bring up the fact that the guy just looked way older than her i'm sorry definitely a senior if not more i mean they are playing at least that he's a junior because yeah yeah because he <laughs> and this isn't like this is like, so, it's so funny because you think you're above it, right? You're like, oh, I would never date the guy that was like hot. But when I was like, I was a teenager, just like, I love the hot guy, even though they were a little dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then now, like, when you're older, you're like, of course, I would have never done that. But it's like, yeah, we went through, we all went through that, no matter how smart you are. <laughs> like, clearly, that's what she's trying to say. Yeah, exactly. She didn't care. She's super smart. She didn't care. She's like, look, he's hot. I want him. That's it. The, uh, yeah, but he but he failed the class, and so he asked to ta- retake the the history class with her. Oh, right, I did catch that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. That's why he ended up in that same class. Yeah, oh, good old dumb Paxton, but you look good. Yeah, and he's <laughs> on the swim team, so he's gonna have his shirt off like a oh lot. <laughs> and what and what all the time? Yeah, she's yeah, she's down with all of that. I see that. I was thinking, is she gonna end up on the swim team now because he's all he's a part of that, but. Yeah. So I also do like that he's biracial. It wasn't really spoken about in terms because I think they're doing so much of they really did a lot of the focusing on like the introduction of well, she's Indian American. And then her friends are also different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of that like there's Jewish. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think about how they introduced all of that? It was very in your face. No, yeah, I get that. I get you. I get you. And it's like, okay. I mean, part of me likes that. I like the fact that we're showing, you know, different ethnicities and everybody's, uh, it's it's Southern California. I, I went to college in Southern California. My husband's from LA, from actually the exact same city. You've got family and stuff that's lived there. And it's like, it's Southern California. It's a melting pot. It's normal to see people of all different kind of races, like just like hanging out and being in school together and stuff like that. And so I like that. But it was a little like, <laughs> it was like, okay, let's see, we've got we've got an Asian person, we've got a Hispanic person, we've got an Indian person, we've got a white person, we've got a Jewish person. It just seemed like, yeah, we were just counting them off. And but at the same time, I think just gotta I, I'm rolling with it. I, I'm, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just I think it's her style in that sense. And also I think it's, I've seen like a trend, some content now that they, it's either all in your face, that type of thing, just to kind of make fun of it, that we're so overly like compensating for mm. all that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to make a comment on it because then that just makes it like ironic and funny. And and I think this show is just light and funny. It doesn't have to be something that is going to represent all this other stuff, but it is making, I think, a stride in that in that area which i appreciate it's just the way i want representation is not necessarily the way like 
she's depicting. Exactly. No, <laughs> not, I, not, not, I'm saying not with the casting or anything, just like in terms of the script, I guess. Gotcha. I guess, I mean, and I do like the fact that like, she's got some traditional stuff in there as well. Like, so my background for the listeners is I am half African American and half Indian, actually. So my father is from India. So I like the fact that she puts in some obviously traditional things that the main character Davy has to like deal with being a first generation Indian American, you know, with her mom and and her cousin that we get introduced to that is gorgeous. Kamala is her name. And like, she's like, she's gorgeous. She's absolutely brilliant, but she's going through this arranged marriage, which is for her, like not cool because she's not interested in doing that. But she's going to kind of go with the flow because most Indian actually when you're in that college ages age and you're and your parents are already kind of looking for you a mate, she you got to kind of go with it. And that's what most people have to do. And she she's doing it, but she's you can tell she's going to start rebelling against that. I thought that was interesting because I actually have lots of family members that had arranged marriages as well. Well, I'm glad that it's being talked about because I think it's always been so stereotyped and I'm sure you have um, thoughts on how it's been depicted on screen with the way they do like arranged marriages Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I think seeing, it's funny because Debbie like really wants a boyfriend and at one point she's like, she's when Kamala Kamala, um, is getting the arranged marriage, she's like, I'm so jealous of you right now because she's like, you're getting a guy and I want a guy. So it was like fun seeing those two sides. It's like, no, but you don't want that kind of arranged marriage. She don't want that one. Uh Uh-uh. I thought that was really a cool way to kind of, I guess, put the put the culture, but also put like, you know, uh, Debbie's the, like a uh, teen angst in it. And right. the way like that was showed was pretty uh, interesting. Well, like the, the funny thing is the arranged marriage now, the only concept of arranged marriage that I have is my my aunt, uncle and my grandparents. So that's like the, the concept of it now is totally different. Like the meeting online on the internet. I mean, I can't even speak to what is happening now because I'm not a part of it because I don't have any any more experience with that with especially with the the new stuff. You're Skyping your future <laughs> your future in-laws and like doing that whole thing. That's crazy to me. Like it was not like that back in the day. Back in the day they like literally went to their house and like interviewed you and that kind of thing and or like found somebody because they knew that family and then brought them to you. But now it's all like high tech stuff, which is like crazy to me. And she's just sitting there behind that computer, like trying to look the part and like talk the part, which later we find out she probably she's not interested in any of that. Yeah, you can tell she's (laughs) like, uh, no. (laughs) Like what else stood out to you? So in in our second episode, it kind of like moves into we're getting more, we're getting hotter and hotter on the sex talk <laughs> with Paxton. And she is like really, really getting into it. So what, like, what, what do we, what do you think of as we go into the second episode? Well, leading into the second episode, also um, just touching up in the first one. Yeah. I really enjoyed that they, and I guess this is going to give us some insight as a viewer, but the therapy sessions. Oh, so yeah, yeah. She- so she is going to therapy, obviously, to talk about her dad, but she is ignoring it completely. That's when I started realizing, okay, this isn't all about sex. She's using that to distract from what the pain that she's probably feeling because she doesn't, she was really close with her dad. She hasn't dealt with that grief yet. And so she's going to counseling 
to ultimately talk about it, but she is talking about her sex life with her therapist. Let's, and so it's funny seeing that because there, I guess we're going to get some insight through that. So she even like throws out this option. She's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I just want a boyfriend, whatever. And then at the end, I think of the first episode, that's when she goes to Paxton and says, I like you and I'm really into you. I know all your classes, which is creepy because, you know, we all did that some sort of stalking back then. She says like, but it's okay. Like all I want to do, like, would you have sex with me? I forgot. I totally jumped. I jumped it. The point was that she like totally just went up and said it. One of the, the other characters who's the Jewish guy who has like an entertainment lawyer dad and he's obsessed with that, which is so funny because that's another stereotype, <laughs> Jewish and entertainment. And they're kind of ri- they're rivals because he is uh, basically competing for valedictorian uh, with Debbie. And so they kind of have this rivalry, which I think is also seeming like going to be the start of, of something where... I feel like maybe they'll end up together, but you never know. Uh, he says, oh yeah, we call you the UN or something. And then she was like, oh, that's so racist, you know, her and her friends. And he's like, no, it's not nothing to do with race. It's called unfuckable nerds. Yeah. And that's what messed with her because she was like, what? It just kind of cemented the idea that she had that she is a nerd and no one's going to want to be with her. She's not going to get a boyfriend. And so she like doubled down. She talked to her therapist about it. She's like, do you, do you think I'm bangable or whatever? <laughs> and which is so weird. I think those are the cringy moments because I think... You have to realize like she's 14 or or 15 right? or 16 at this point, I guess. You can tell that it's Mindy Kaling's voice coming out of her and that makes it a little off-putting. But, you know, going with it. That was an interesting twist because I did not see this coming where she was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go because I would never have done that in a million years. So I think for young teens seeing that, even though it's not necessarily the thing I would encourage. She's got some super balls, some super big balls. Yeah, and I really appreciated that from her character. I think I would have liked to see that growing up, like in the teen shows, instead of people being so like, oh, we can't do this, whatever. So on the one hand, I appreciate her her brashness. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, you're probably doing this because you don't want to deal with your dead dad. And she's also labeled as that hothead, you know, our John McEnroe callback. That's what hotheads do. They they boss up and they go make it happen. And she definitely has no issues with speaking her mind, walking up. Like, would you, I wouldn't freaking walk up to the, the corner with the guys that are the most popular in the entire school all huddled up together. She walks right up to them to talk to him. She did that several times. And I was thinking to myself, you'd never see that in one of those other quote unquote teen shows, teen movies. If that happens, it usually ends really bad. I liked that because I remember being like that and not, I would have never in a million years. I mean, I don't even know if I would do it now. (laughs) I was like, you have balls, girl, and I like it. (laughs) Maybe your reasoning behind it is a little like mixed because you're going through all these teen emotions, but you got guts and I like it. I like that she was just like, hey, I'm going to go talk to, I'm going to go talk to it because talk to this dude. He's still, he's with all his popular friends, like. That's insane to me. Okay, but so I feel like here's one good thing, though. Even though she bossed up and got and decided to do that, when she actually, when it got down to it and they ended up like back at his house, she got cold feet. That was a little bit more realistic. You learn throughout the episode, these first two episodes, that she talks a big game, but also she has all these insecurities and also just dealing with dealing with the death of her dad that she hasn't dealt with. And, and she doesn't, and I think it comes out like when he's like, yeah, let's do this. My mom, you know, and she's like, Oh shit. Like when she, when she realized it was actually going to happen, she took a step back, Mm -hmm. which I was like, yes, that makes more sense because she was so gung ho about it without hesitation. And I was like, there has to be some hesitation. Like, even if you're, you know, like, Oh, I'm ready for this. 
whatever she hadn't gone through any of like oh am I like in we hadn't seen any of that from her and that was the first time when it got to that point of doing it where she was like oh I don't know if I want to do this just like as her as a character she is complex in that way that like she's just dealing with so much I mean I don't think anybody would be nobody's ready for the death of a parent especially when you're a teenager and think only a year has passed to feel like she should have it all together obviously not you know especially having to deal with whatever that mystery illness she had and wonder if we find out and i'm like you i haven't watched further ahead than these first couple episodes i wonder if that was all real true or will we find out that that was like something she made up i don't know i don't know i don't know why i just thought that but i just had that like thought was that going to be like thing that was not even true and it was just something she had to deal made up to like deal with her father's past yeah that that's actually a good point so yeah that would be interesting it would be interesting to see yeah yeah and it was only when she saw paxton from across and when she was at the grocery store in her wheelchair with her mom that she sees paxton uh, across the like at the front of the store or something and she gets up to like look because she has to peek over the cars and she's like oh he cured my whatever i had and then it was just like there was no explanation afterwards about like how she automatically just got cured. That's something that I want to see how it unfolds, or maybe it's just something they threw in for comedic effect. I don't know. (laughs) If it, if yeah, exactly. If it is, then it, it was funny at the time. I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe I'm just overthinking it because I just thought that was just such, it's just such a weird, the whole thing with the wheelchair is just so weird. I, I'm having a problem getting over that, but I need to just like (laughs) leave it where it is and move on, I guess. So the end of the first episode is her basically saying, I want to have sex with you. And he's like, okay, like just sex. Right. And he's, and he's like, yeah. And and so they're like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll plan it. <laughs> and then the second episode opens with her having this vivid dream of him coming to her, her into her room and just being so nice and be like, you look so good in that oversized t-shirt. And, <laughs> and then he like takes off her scrunchie and says, is this dangerous shampoo? And I was like, oh my God, I have dangerous shampoo. <laughs> I was like, and I have oversized t shirt I was like, that was so good. So I love that. That writing was just speaking to all the ladies who like have dealt with that kind of thing. We're like, we feel you, Mindy. We know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that hit me like, I was like, yes, I got you. I got you. You feel me. Well, and also <laughs> how many of us have had those dreams? Come on. I mean, obviously we've had dreams like that where you're just like, you have that fantasy of what's going to really go down. And then... You know, of course, it never goes down that way, but you have that fantasy. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then they continue, I guess, like, and another thing I want to touch on is the family dynamic that these three women have. She's got the cousin that lives with them, and it's her and her mother. The dynamic, it almost feels like the cousin could have been me just like an older sister in some way. I don't, it could have been cousin or sister. I guess it didn't matter, but... But it's like, is she kind of fills that she fills that like older sister role to her, even though she doesn't really treat her with the exact same type of respect, I guess you would maybe give an older sister, she kind of has that like, well, you're still my cousin, so we can still kind of talk and like, um, hang out and stuff. But I like the dynamic that the three women have. Yeah, I think they're all very different, even though, you know, their family, which I mean, it makes sense. I like that they there's a variety and they're all bringing different things to the show, you know, to, to the, to the family. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting because I think I expected it to be one way, maybe just from prior depictions and it's completely 
just so ref- like we've used the word refreshing, but it is nice to have Debbie just kind of go at her mom. And, and also I can relate to that regardless of, you know, of, you know, being Indian American or whatever, like she calls her mom a bitch in this episode. And I was like, and I hate to admit it now, but I did call my mom a bitch when I was a teenager. And so I was like, that is very real. We all did. Yeah. And so there's very real moments that anybody can relate to in terms in with the teen dynamic and the mom, because mom and teen daughter dynamic is very like up and down and teen years. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) So I feel like, I feel like in the second episode, the layers um, came off a little bit and they really dived in, I think, into, into that relationship, which I enjoyed. So she's got Kamala like in this like space of like, you've got to be that typical Indian woman, right? You've got to be wearing a sari to meet your future in-laws. You got to, you know, stop talking about like, stop talk about what you can cook and all the, all the things that the stereotypical things that like your Indian mother is going to tell you to do when you get older. But like, she has none of that for Devi, even though she's like, she's not that far away from finishing school and like um, going into college herself. But like, you don't really get um, traditional push from her side, but she's doing it on the cousin side. So it's two different dynamics. And it's very interesting to, to watch. I wonder why that is. I guess maybe she she does. She's never pushing uh, Debbie to do any of those things. Right. As so we, far. Uh, right. She, she will say things like it's crazy. And you would think in another depiction of this, she would be like, you can't be doing this and all this stuff. And she kind of like lets her and I think maybe also this can be because they're both going, I mean, grieving the death of, of the father and the husband. Sure. And maybe she's just like, maybe she's just going through some stuff and she thinks she's crazy, you know, like crazy teenage daughter plus add on the grieving, grieving daughter thing. True. So maybe she's giving her some leeway right now. And maybe later on, she'll pr- push her a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think we're done saying that. I think we're, I think there's gonna be a whole bunch more with the And also, it's interesting, too, because she's a doctor, like she's a dermatologist. And the fact that she is also telling Kamala, like, oh, you got to be the perfect housewife and um, make sure you tell him like you can cook and clean, which I thought was a very weird dynamic, because coming from someone who's very successful, and then she's telling, like, giving the advice to be kind of not subservient, but you know, like, you're gonna have to please your husband. And I'm like, but you're like a powerful woman and you have your own career and you're taking care of your daughter now that your husband's died so that was an interesting dynamic too of those roles of the family and I guess the Indian heritage in in that sense yeah I think it's very much real because I I've seen that time and time again I mean I can I can attest to the fact that like you're still expected that's the problem I should say problem in my opinion it's the problem you can't just be one thing or another you've got to be all of it so you've got to be not only a successful super intelligent but also super wife super mother and do all of it and do it like with without with ease so that's kind of it's it's a lot of pressure it's also just the pressure of society that what i mean like yeah society places on women of of every culture it's like you got to be the best and also you got to come home and do all the other stuff exactly Exactly. Um, so a lot, it's too though, much. <laughs> How much can we take? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, too much. You're like, we don't want any. You know what? We want to do. We want to be able to have the choice to do what the heck we want to do. That's how I feel. So <laughs> I don't know about all that. But I'm glad that the mother does have a um, super, you know, um, like 
I'm glad that the mother has a um, a career and that she's you know she's showing her her daughter and her niece that especially with a niece being you know going into biology and having this like amazing research she's doing that's great to see it's great to see all the different character the the aspects of of their lives so i love that i love the dynamic that those three bring and i'm interested to see what happens as the series unfolds I like them too. And the fact that sometimes she lets loose with that moped. And I was like, that whole <laughs> scene of her being on that moped, I loved it. She had such that adverse reaction to when the when the father brought it back, the husband brought it back. And for her to get on it because, you know, she's still grieving and missing him. That was a sweet moment. I love that. Yeah. And also gave us some insight into her too, because there was a flashback with the moped when she sees like a little red string, which we learn is basically it was blessed by the, you know, the husband. He took her out on a ride one day. He's like, it's okay. I got it blessed by the temple, which Mm -hmm. I think those little like odes to like the culture, Mm -hmm. but also just comedic is so fun. She saw that and it brought her back to when she's uh, in a flashback, like disheveled, crying. And he's like, it's okay. You know, we're, we, we have one daughter and it basically alludes to the fact that she probably had a miscarriage and can't have any more kids. Mm -hmm. And so Debbie is all she has, which also makes it interesting. The fact that the way you just, you just pointed out that she doesn't push Debbie that much and she pushes Kamala. So it's also maybe she's taking Kamala under her wing as like the other child she would have wanted or something like that. So we we also get a little bit more insight to the husband and wife relationship between them and how he was so caring for her and so supportive that she went through that trauma too. And and so she's lost, possibly we're assuming a child and also her husband too. So it gives her a little bit more dimension, I think, as well, instead of just being the stereotypical, you know, mom, like she has a lot of depth because she's a doctor, she's taking care of Debbie. And then we learn about her backstory too. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Let's get into old Paxton and his a little bit of the stuff that we learned in the second episode that give us a little bit more in a little bit more, like you said, dimension into his character that I was pleased to see. One trend I am on board with in the teen shows is having the hot guys at least have more dimension and (laughs) and depth than just being, you know, assholes. It was like the second attempt that they were going to try to have sex. And and, um, she's in the bathroom preparing, like spraying all her body parts, uh, getting ready to to, to do this with Paxton. And like you wouldn't have done that before you walked in the door, girl. Come on. Yeah. Give me a break. You know you went over there for that. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) She's so funny and awkward, but also so like, I, I love her character. So weird. So weird. She's, yeah, she's like a lot. But I think that's the point is like, I haven't seen a character like that before. Like she is everything and that's how we are. So it's nice that Mindy basically created something we haven't seen uh, or we need to see more mm-hmm. of. She's, she sprays her, her badge basically <laughs> with like perfume. And of course it stings. And then there's a knock on the door and she's like, oh, are you Okay. It's uh, Paxton's sister. Paxton's sister. I think she's got Down syndrome. I th- it, yes. it appears that way. Yeah. She's like a badass. She's like a fashionista. She has her job and she basically, oh, are you okay? And then like they get along really well, which was like, oh my God, she's going to get uh, with Paxton because she's like getting in with the sister. But then he he comes in and he's he gets kind of mad about it because I think he has his own feelings with his sister about, I guess, the way she's also been treated by people and things that we learn later on. I mean, he was just thinking 
thing and this chick's just going to be his fuck buddy. So why would you be engaged with anybody that I'm related to? Like, And why are you talking to them? Like, he, that was not cool. For her, in her mind, she was just being friendly, you know, and like somebody's asking her if she's okay. And then she just has this conversation. And I think it's really cool. I mean, it looks like if Paxton's sister, Rebecca's, if she has Down syndrome, it's not even a big deal. It's just... Like you said, she's a boss, she's she's a fashionista, she's working, she's doing all this stuff. So I think it was very cool to see an actress with Down syndrome playing a role and it's not about it. It's not about that. That's the kind of representation I love. Like is it just is because that's the way it should be. Exactly. It shouldn't have to be commented on. It shouldn't have to be brought up unless it's done in a right way. And I think that's what I was talking about earlier about the issues of like with it's very in your face with like the race and stuff. And I'm like, I love the diverse cast and I don't need any commentary on it. Exactly. But it is what it but it is what it is. And we're not to a place where it can just be that yet. And so I understand that sometimes it just it does need to be like you need to mention it, you need to talk about it, you need to have it as comic relief, that kind of thing. But with Rebecca, I love that it was just she was presented in that way where she was like, hey, are you okay? And then Debbie was just like, oh, this is a badass girl. Like, I didn't even realize this was another thing I didn't know about Paxton. Right. And you know what? In the end, really, he comes back. That It all goes south, right? And then he gets mad at her and so kicks her out and basically ignores her the next day at school. And, you know, she's thinking it's like, you know, all hope is lost and all that work she'd put in is gone. But and she goes and lies to her friends about it, which I thought was like, I was like, oh, that move is hilarious because, yeah. You're being a teen girl to go ahead and just lie to your friends, even though, you know, it didn't actually happen. Really, you don't really see that with women, I don't think. Teen girls, but maybe like teen boys would probably do that more. And then he ends up coming back around and explaining like why he felt that way, because he's so protective of his sister for, you know, for all the reasons that we don't even have to discuss. Yeah, and I thought that was sweet because... Yeah, I was playing into the trope of hot guy, asshole. We see the sister, so we know there's more to to it than that. And then he, when he does come apologize at the end of the episode, it was like, oh, thank you. Like, I was hoping this was, you You are a nice guy and you just have a lot more than, than we know about right now. And it's interesting because at the end of the episode, Debbie's like, oh, okay, because like, she was like, oh, well, can we hang out again, you know, like to try again? And he's like, no, I think it's going to be weird. But I found it... And this is where I love teen shows because it just plays into this like teen the like the the like the the crushes and stuff. Like you can tell he finds this girl probably like we don't really get to hear his point of view on like what he thinks of her. Mm-hmm. He agreed to have sex with her with like not not knowing her at all, or that we think she he doesn't know her. When he walks away, he does that double look back which I like love in in show in like movies and shows and it shows that he's like maybe starting to think like she's interesting and like he's liking her a little bit and it made me really want to just like move on to the next next episode because I was like oh my god maybe it's gonna like be brewing the the romance now what did you think of that whole like scene when he like leaves yeah the whole thing like it did redeem it for me because I thought to myself like I knew it I mean once he once he came back around and apologized I was like okay So there's more to this guy, especially the fact that he's protected his sister. I felt a lot better about it because I was just thinking to myself, like, what is she seeing in this guy that's just willing to just like go ahead and have sex with her, not even knowing her name. But then I thought, then I also thought about what would it be like to be a teen guy and my husband was watching this with me and he said, "Uh, no girls ever asked me to have sex like that. And I started laughing and I was like, that's what you took from this episode. (laughs) 
That is such a guy response. <laughs> like, and I love it. I was like, oh my God. You know, but he's like, wow, like that's amazing. No girls ever asked me just to have sex like that. I was like, wow, you know, he could probably kill me for when he hears this, but it's the truth. It's what guys would think, right? And so the guy, so there's so much more to a good old Paxton. And I, I am hoping that there was going to be a little something that he really sees in her and we'll see what happens with the future. That whole thing with, with her asking and him, him saying yes, I don't blame him for saying yes because uh, just from my talkings to like guy friends and everything, like, yeah, if some girl comes up to you and like it, it says that, like you would probably say yes. They would probably, if you said no, people would think you're crazy <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Like that was the most believable part of really? it. most whole <laughs> Yeah, that was like it was like three answers. There's yes, hell yes, and uh, duh. Yeah, <laughs> and any guy who would deny it is probably lying. Right, right, exactly. Just like my grown ass husband said, uh, yes. uh, nobody's ever asked that. That would be amazing, you know. If he back, <laughs> if he when you were that teen boy, obviously, you know. Like, yes, so yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, boys, crazy. Y'all are a mess. Now we're now we're in 2020, and we got teen girls wanting the same thing. So hey, that's that's a change. I like that she's so open about this particular thing because I think shows before have not really explored it so openly in the way she is like so aggressive like i need to do this mm -hmm. and i think they, there has been talk of it but this one was like from the very beginning no kind of <laughs> no kind of build up to it no right um, out there and but you learn that it's just kind of it, you can tell from like these two episodes it's hiding something more and that's what like makes me want to continue the show and like enjoy it because i know it's just kind of this thing that she's not dealing with and it's not just her wanting to have sex you know like i think it's her wanting to forget the things that she's lost which is her dad yeah. i think she's a very lovable character for our lead and i love all the supporting characters i love her friends and i hope that we get a little bit more we're obviously we're gonna get more on the friends looks like one of the friends possibly could be hiding the fact that she is a lesbian so that's gonna yeah. be interesting to find out a little bit more about and how they go about the that conversation and um, that relationship i like the premise of the show it is campy it is a little cheesy there are parts that are super cringeworthy but I'm going to give it a shot and keep watching. I was a little hesitant after like the first, those first 20 minutes of the first episode. But overall, it is fun. Some moments are cringeworthy, but I think that's just me with my age. I, I'm not down with the lingo of certain things. But so it's interesting to see like, I, I just question like, is this the way people talk now? Like <laughs> teens talk now. Um, I'm really curious to know. Or if it's just Mindy Kaling thinking what teens talk now, how teens talk now <laughs> through her voice. And that second episode, the way it ended, just wants me to keep going. So I'm excited to talk to you about this when we see the more episodes and how it unfolds. I'm truly excited, too. Like, this will be funny. And I will have my, my teen girls watch with me, well, my older one. And we'll get back to you listeners on if this is the way that real teens really talk. Because I want to know from her about if that's the truth. if Or she's going to be like, absolutely not. Nobody talks like that, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Black yes, Star. please. I, I I need to know, like, is this the way high school is now? Or is it just a Mindy Kaling um, representation creation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My daughter's 11th grader. So yes, yeah, right up there. It's it's exactly close to the same age. So um, I'm really interested to hear her take on it. We are looking forward to watching more of Never Have I Ever on Netflix. And we hope you guys join us. Thank you so much. This is Aisha. And this is Catherine with Shuffle Online. 
Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.